What's going on, everybody? Welcome to People Playing Games, a podcast all about the people who make the world of games awesome. And joining me today is a woman of many talents. If you're into really awesome video game cover songs, you might know her as Lady Game Lyric on YouTube. If you're like me and you're in the media, you probably get a whole bunch of press releases from her as Twitch's PR manager. And either way, she's awesome, she's a good friend, and I'm super happy to have her here. Erin Fan, how are things going? Great, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, uh, how have things been uh, at Twitch lately? It seems like this is maybe the busiest time of year to be working in games. Definitely. So we're gearing up for E3, and of course, um, TwitchCon's always down the road. And of course, you've seen me at all the other conventions like GDC, PAX East, PAX West. So it's always a busy time with um, gearing up for big events like E3 and, of course, um, TwitchCon later on as well. And, of course, we're always announcing cool things coming out of Twitch. So that always keeps me busy. Yeah, it was uh, obviously a couple weeks ago we had Chase, Twitch's, uh, I guess, PR director. Is he your boss, I'm assuming? Yes, uh, Chase is the PR director. And when I heard him on People Playing Games, I was kind of thinking, hey, I would love to be on People Playing Games. (laughs) Here you are. Awesome. We made it Happy happen. to be here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as as we always do on the show, we're going to kick things off with a segment called First Favorite Worst uh, to get a little bit of your gaming history. So uh, I want to know the first game you ever played, your favorite game of all time, and what the worst game you ever played is. All right. I would have to say my the first game I ever played was probably Duck Hunt. It was on a friend's SNES. I was very small, maybe three years old. Uh, I remember trying to shoot the ducks, not being very good at shooting the ducks, and accidentally shooting the dog because the dog kept laughing at me, and that made me really upset. Again, I was three years old, but I would say that's the first game I remember playing. Um, My favorite game, so I know I'm probably just going to go off on more than one game because I think there's – I have different favorites for different things. Like I would say my – the game that made me a gamer, and it therefore is in my list of favorites, is obviously Ocarina of Time. Uh, I think a lot of people can say Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time was either their gateway drug or their favorite game of all time. But I would also have to say that um, Heavy Rain is also a game that really really affected me when I played it. Uh, it, it was a game where when I finished it, I felt, gosh, I don't really feel like I'm the same person. It's like I've I've cared about a character so much. I've cared about not only the character, his family. I feel like I'm in this world. And it, I mean, if, if, for anyone who hasn't played it, I highly recommend it. It's an experience like none other. So that's also one of my favorites. Um, in terms of whole series, because I can't pick one individual one, it would have to be the Mass Effect series. Also because I got so invested in the world, so invested in the character, especially my character. I, you've probably heard me go on many tirades about Aaron Shepard. I'm in love oh, with yeah. her. And I'm, and I'm so sad that she's not coming back in Andromeda, at least as far as I know. But uh, I would have to say if, if you had to, if I had to pick a favorite game, I would have to say those are my three, or maybe even five, if you count all three Mass Effect games. Um, <laughs> favorites <laughs> it's funny yeah I, I don't think anyone i've asked on this segment has picked a single favorite game because it's it's so hard yeah even myself you know i, I did a i did a solo episode where i kind of turned the format of myself it's yeah it's you know I, because i think you have your formative games that got you into games and then you have kind of the newer games that mean more to you maybe like emotionally mm-hmm. um for sure 
but I do want to I do want to give you props. All three of your answers are correct. Those, those <laughs> are the, um I especially, um, as you might know, I'm a gigantic Mass Effect fan, so Mass Effect Two specifically kind of holds that spot for me. But that whole series is fantastic, and Andromeda is not that bad. Yeah, I haven't tried Andromeda yet, but I'm hoping to get into it soon. Um, I've I've have such huge backlog. Uh, I've been you know busy with marathon training, so I haven't played as much games as I'd like. I'm still working through Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, I actually am about to start it, so I'm very excited. Yeah, so uh, I guess next is the worst game I've played, and honestly, I when I when I heard you ask that question to Chase, I I was thinking, you know, what's my worst? What's my least favorite game? And I honestly can't think of any. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Like, my guess is if it is a worst game or a game I really disliked, I probably wouldn't remember it anyway, so I wouldn't be able to name it. It just kind of, you know, slipped into the abyss of my memory because it just was so unspectacular or unmemorable. So I unfortunately don't have an answer for that. That's fair. I, I had a hard time thinking of that one, too, um, when I was doing it myself. Uh, I guess because... Either I just find find a way to make myself like everything I'm playing, or I just, you know, like you said, like the bad games, I guess, just kind of fade away in your in your brain. Uh, yeah, and that's why they're bad games. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, awesome. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get to your career in the games industry in a bit, but uh, first I want to talk about Aaron Fan, the musician, aka Lady Game Lyric. So my first question is, how did you get into music? Well, music's always been a part of my life. You know, when I was very small, um, my parents would put me in those um, early childhood music classes. And then I realized I I love to sing. I love to perform. I started playing the piano just because I, I, I enjoyed it. It seemed like a fun thing to do. And then I started taking singing lessons uh, in middle school after, you know, being in the elementary school musicals. And that's when I, I really started to enjoy performing uh, when I first started taking singing lessons, you know, I, I had a much uh, smaller, quieter voice. It took me a while to really develop and find my sound. And I think that whole journey and working through that all those years from my middle school years to my high school years, finally when I get to college, I realize that, okay, I, I have a sound I can work with. Um, my voice is deep in. And, and so after college, I was in an acapella group. Um, I was part of a choir, but most of my singing was done with my acapella group, the Northwestern Troublemakers, if you want to look them up. But uh, after college, I thought, you know, how do I continue singing? How do I how do I keep performing? And that's when I had this idea of starting a YouTube channel, because I've known since I was about 14 that I love writing song parodies. I love listening to songs on the radio and changing the lyrics to be about a video game, like the very first video I posted, I actually wrote those lyrics when I was 14. I was just sitting in front of the bathroom mirror and just like coming up with lyrics in my head. Wow. So, yeah, and it just kind of ballooned from there. I just kept finding new ideas. I was posting very often, and um, I started playing League of Legends, and soon all my parodies were about League of Legends. Um, I think one of my favorite ones that I did was um, – a parody of uh, Love is an Open Door from, from Frozen, but I made it about Timo and Ezreal fighting in bot lane. And, <laughs> and it's just, it's just like one idea became another idea. Um, other YouTubers started reaching out to me. Uh, for example, I've done a lot of collaborations with string player gamer who does a lot of amazing covers of video game music. You probably remember him from the mini Mario orchestra that he made back in 2012, where he just did a massive medley of, 
all these uh, different RPG themes. So it really opened up a cool world of, of video game musicians and just other musicians who wanted to collaborate. And um, it led me also to a, a group called the Materia Collective. You may or may not have heard of them, but they do um, video game cover albums. So it started out with a Final Fantasy VII cover album. And um, right now we're working on, it actually like exploded into so many different so many different albums, not just Final Fantasy, but uh, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog album I was a part of. There's been an Undertale album, so many other games. So it's it's like my one little YouTube channel led me to so many different doors. And, you know, lately I haven't been posting as often because I haven't really found any songs that reminded me of video games. Or maybe I'm just not playing games as much because once you start working in games, your time for playing games goes down. But Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's really been an amazing journey, and I, I kind of think back to it all. This is this one idea to start a YouTube channel, just like turned into all these different things. Yeah, it's 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 a really cool idea, and some of my personal favorites. I, I really like the the Song of Storms, Nothing Else Matters mashup you posted <laughs> recently, which that one kind of blew up. I know it was featured on uh, Glixel and a couple other places. Yeah, so that, that seems one... pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, that was uh, that blew up unlike any other video I I've made, and it was really like a it was I feel so lucky to have that happen to me where not just, like it was Glixel, then uh, then Rolling Stone tweeted it, and then it just kind of like all hell broke loose from there. Like every every heavy metal website was posting it. Uh, I think it was. Do you think I had? I had a metal injection posting it, metalsucks.net. All these, all these um, heavy metal fan sites were posting it too, and I and like I just thought, who would have thought that um, a, a video that was primarily about Zelda could end up on all these heavy metal sites? So that that was really cool. Like a lot of people were commenting saying they loved it, and it's just it. I can you know I can say I kind of had a video go viral, and that that was just I feel I feel really fortunate that that happened. That's exciting. So, so you said there hasn't been much music lately that you've kind of uh, felt the urge to cover. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been trying to look through more like top forty stuff. Nothing's really sticking out to me. And um, I, I first started just doing songs I liked, and then I realized that in order for it to, in order for it to be more enjoyable for more people, I should be picking songs more people know. But I find most songs these days they either don't have many lyrics. Or I'm just maybe not looking in the right places. So um, again, I, I'm always open to to um, requests and suggestions. So tweet at me anytime if you if you think of something cool that I should do, or even just a straight up cover. I have had people say that uh, I should cover a song. In fact, a string player gamer and I did a cover of Snake Eater after from Metal Gear Solid 3 after many people uh, reached out to us saying that we should do it. So I'm open for requests at all times. Awesome. You heard it, guys. Send those requests. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, talk about your career. Obviously, today you're a PR manager at Twitch, but how did you get on that path? So uh, when I was about to graduate from college, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what line of work did I want to get into. So it started like this. I really wanted to be in the games industry, but I didn't know how to get in. First, at the very, like, you know, at first in college, I was like, oh, I can't be in the games industry. Like, I don't know how to code. I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to design games. 
Like, I don't know what gets those pixels on the screen to make all that cool stuff. So I first discounted the idea of being in the games industry. Uh, but uh, I was uh, actually the, the news director at the Northwestern University radio station, WNUR. And that's when I thought, you know, I technically am I'm a reporter. I ha- can get press credentials to go to E3 and maybe I should just go there and and kind of figure things out. So that's what I did. And then. Getting on the press list for E3 is what really opened me up to the world of PR. I was getting pitches from uh, PR companies, uh, PR people at different games, game companies, telling me to go either to an event or checking out their game. And that's when I thought, huh. So there's a whole like business and marketing side of games that I completely forgot about. And so when my, my senior year rolled around, uh, I was getting a few pitches from this uh, PR firm called Triple Point. And so I was looking through their website, seeing if they're hiring, seeing what kind of uh, game companies they're working for. So I just sent out a resume and uh, contacted them, and I, I got a response. And then uh, they flew me out for GDC 2010, and that's when I met the whole team, had my interviews, got to enjoy GDC. Um, it was, I think, my uh, spring quarter in college, and I was already attending like a video game trade show. So that was a really cool experience. And something I'm also really thankful for. And then after GDC, uh, I I got the offer. So when I graduated from college, I moved down to San Francisco, started working for Triple Point, and that's when uh, I was really opened up to the world of video games. So I had so many so many different clients and game companies, uh, tech companies, mostly uh, when I started out, it was mostly mobile apps. And that, that was really cool. You know, when I, when I gamed, it was all, on console, I played mostly, you know, GameCube, um, Nintendo 64, Wii, and so getting into mobile games just like showed me all the possibilities of what games can do. Now you have games you can carry around with you um, that's not on a Game Boy. So that was that was really amazing to meet all these indie developers making all these cool games on mobile. And then uh, in my later years at Triple Point, I started working with uh, the Pokemon Company International and. That is what really opened me up to the world of, of influencers and, um, you know, working with not just journalists, but also people who stream Pokemon on Twitch, who post videos and unboxings of the trading card game on YouTube. And by that time, I, I was already um, I was already very familiar with Twitch. I first started watching streams of games on Justin TV. I think my very first stream I watched was actually by Destructoid. They were playing a game that I had sent them, one of the very first games I was working on. It was called Fairy Legends of Avalon, published by a Focus Home Interactive. And so um, from there, I would just watch videos on and streams on Justin TV. And then when Justin TV became Twitch, it just I, I met some uh, employees from Twitch in the early days back in 2012. So uh, by the time I was working uh, on Pokemon, I was already uh, very familiar with Twitch. Um, you know, how powerful influencers and the world of streaming video games is. So um, through a lot of friends I knew that worked at Twitch, I, I got to know a lot of the staff. I got to know Chase uh, through a friend of mine who's, who still works for Twitch today. And um, we just kept in touch. And then when I heard that Chase was hiring a, a PR manager, I said, definitely, I, I, I definitely want to work for Twitch. This is such a cool world of a company that really truly supports their creators, creators who support each other. And in the last year, um, I I feel really lucky to have been at Twitch and see it grow like it has. So that's kind of uh, my history in the video game industry in a very, very small nutshell. (laughs) Awesome. That sounds like a fun journey. It seems like you started 
pretty early and you and you kind of just went right into it from college and as you mentioned you got to work with a lot of great brands and you know working kind of with Pokemon and influencers a bit of a turning point so what i want to know is flash forward to today what's a typical day at twitch like for you well i would it say it, it really depends on uh, how much is going on right now um a typical day is locking in those e3 appointments um, making sure that um, I, I book all the press appointments for our spokespeople at E3, uh, making sure all the messaging is in place for the show. So um, a typical day would be, uh, you know, making sure making sure the the press appointments are in place, answering my emails. I also do a lot of speaking opportunities at Twitch, so it's uh, placing our spokespeople at events. So uh, getting logistics ready for those, and also I do a lot of writing press releases as well. So it's a mix of of, um, you know, getting press appointments for events, writing press releases, and also um, keeping my eye open for speaking opportunities at events like GDC, PAX. So uh, a typical day, actually, it changes day to day based on what's going on, but it, it kind of a, a bird's eye view of what I would do in a typical day mostly involves that. What would you say is the hardest part of your job there? I think the hardest part of my job there is uh, trying not to, um, you know, talk to friends, visit, go going through all the snack drawers and and doing things that's doing things that's not work because the office is such a wonderful place that I don't want to just you know walk around raid all the snack drawers. And, yeah, um, I've I've been to your guys' office. I I would do bad things to those snack drawers. Yeah. I would I would spend my all of my time there. Yeah, I guess that's that's just the hardest thing about being a Twitch is like trying to stay focused when there's uh, so much cool stuff happening. And a lot of my friends work at Twitch, so obviously I'm going to get caught up in the how's your day conversations. And, ooh, there's a fresh bag of popcorn in the <laughs> snack drawer. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm sure you're you're well aware of all the distractions, all good things. You know, I need to get up from my desk and walk around every now and then. Uh, but, yeah, that if you if you had to ask me what's the hardest thing about working at Twitch, it's, it's, it's that. <laughs> totally, totally makes sense. So... You know, before we were kind of talking about your musical projects, does it does the music stuff you've done in any way kind of complement your work at Twitch? I think so. I think a lot of what um, PR is about is is uh, you know not just booking media appointments, not just writing the press releases, but also you know finding ways to finding ways to talk about a new product, talk about um, a new thing going on at the company, and a lot of uh, what I what I do when I'm making a video, when I'm thinking about how to present a song or, you know, what lyrics go where, uh, it's a lot of wordsmithing. It's a lot of, um, you know, I have this many syllables and I, I want to say this, but I have this many syllables and I need this word to rhyme with this. That's kind of, you know, uh, how I go through writing a parody. And I feel like that is similar in, in kind of a few ways to writing a press release or writing messaging. How do you say something that's sticky? How do you say something that encompasses uh, what you want to convey in as few words as possible or in a way that's digestible in the press release format for a pre for the press or digestible in a way for, for our community to read in our blog, for example. So when, I, when I'm making a, a writing a song parody, I, I feel like I'm using a lot of the same same skills and going through the same exercises of finding the right words, finding, finding the, the phrases, the punchlines that stick the most. 
it, it's funny how those those like seemingly disparate things actually really complement each other when it comes to yeah. kind of your, your your different passions, your different hobbies. I think the weirdest thing for me has been uh, playing guitar and playing fighting games have been oddly uh, oh, complementary yeah. wow. because it's you know all about muscle memory and a lot of you know both hobbies involve a lot of just creating and improvising whether you're you're creating a combo or you know writing a song so uh yeah it's funny how you kind of find those parallels in, in all the different things that you do yeah it's it's great that you mentioned that because um you know when i was i've actually learned that myself when i was like playing mario party there's this one mini game that i was always beat everyone at and there's one one person i could never beat and i realized that the difference between uh, the person, myself, the person I could never beat and everyone else in the group was that we both played the piano. So, you know, using our fingers, moving our fingers very quickly was was something that helped us get better at Mario Party. And I totally see where you're coming from with playing the guitar, helping you with with fighting games, you know, getting those combos. in. I have, I have zero skills in fighting games, by the way. But <laughs> I'm not um, that good know, either. I just play them a lot. Yeah. So next time I see you play the guitar, I, I'm. Uh, I guess we'll we'll yell we'll yell fatality if you pull off a really really difficult chord progression. I hope so. I I <laughs> you know what now I need to I need to start playing shows again just for that specific reason. Yeah. That's great. So uh so of course as we mentioned before uh, we had your boss Chase on the show a few weeks ago. I'm gonna put Chase on the spot real quick. Is he a good boss? Of course. <laughs> I, I love. I'm obviously very happy at at Twitch and you know a major thing that makes my my experience at Twitch so enjoyable is obviously working with Chase. Like we, we both came from an agency background and uh, before moving on to Twitch, we both spent a lot of time at our agency. I was at triple point for five years. Obviously that doesn't even hold a candle to Chase being at access for 14 years. Uh, but you know, we both came from similar backgrounds. Uh, we both worked on, on um, large game releases, many different game companies so it's it's really nice to uh to work for someone who understands where you're coming from, has a similar background as you and kind of processes information and and the work we do in similar ways. So so I th- I think that's something very rare and and something I I'm also very thankful has has happened. Um and yeah, that's that's my answer to your question. <laughs> it's a good one. So kind of you know, speaking of coworkers and and mentors and those kind of figures who are the people that inspire you to do the things you do? I would say the people that inspire me the most are, um, you know, the people you don't necessarily see, the people kind of working in the background to make things happen. So I would say um, I, I really admire um, everyone, everyone who works in PR and marketing, um, Chase in particular, you know, uh, the people working hard to get the messaging together to present new products and new things in a way that um, that our community can digest, that the press can uh, can digest as well. And and also, uh, if you if you I'm sure you've been to our booths at like E3 and PAX and you've been to TwitchCon yeah. and people who the another group of people who really inspire me are people who put on those things, you know, our, our event staff, the people working behind the scenes to make sure that um, you know, our, our booth is in place, that everything is presented in a way that uh, attendees, are, especially our community, will enjoy um, making sure that making sure that, uh, you know, all all our partners who who come to our booth and do signings are happy. So 
those are people you may not, you know, you may not necessarily see them while they're working in the background. You see the result, but you don't see, you don't, you don't see those people. So I always want to give a shout out and to, to those people who, whom you don't see, you see the people standing on stage, you see the people at the front desk, but, um, every, everything is there because of a group of people, uh, who are doing a thankless job who, you know, are working behind the scenes. So I would say, you know, to answer your question, um, in a concise format, the people who inspire me the most in the games industry are are the folks behind the curtain. That's a great answer. There, I feel like there are so many unsung heroes, really in any industry, and so many moving parts. I mean, E3 is about to happen, and there, like you said, there are so many people that are not going to be on the big stages and you know doing the demos and stuff that are so essential to the whole production. Mm-hmm. And I think about a production like E3, I'm like, you know, who are the people who made sure that, you know, every exhibitor had their booth up, was ready to go, uh, making sure that, you know, the halls are clean, that, um, that, you know, that, that the signage is, is looking nice, that, you know, all the, all the, all the exhibitors who paid a lot of money to have their game displayed on the doorsteps going up to the South Hall. Like, who are those people? Someone obviously, you know, spent an entire year putting this together. And I don't even know like how, where to start, how, what goes into that. Uh, so, you know, I, I would love the, I would love to, um, I would love for some one E3 to, you know, present, you know, these are the people who, these people made this happen. This really cool sign, this, this really nice lighting, this beautiful carpet happened because of this person. Yeah. I think that would be really awesome. And, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, there it is. I was just waiting for uh, Marie to let out a couple barks. Hi, Marie. <laughs> We're, yeah, I'm, I'm a dog lover too. I have a dog. So whenever I see um, your your photo pop up on my Twitter feed and I see Marie and I, it, um, you know, she 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 makes me smile. Yeah, I, she's become a, a bit of a social media superstar, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like her to, I would like to see her, you know, be the next grumpy cat or, or the next, the next boo, the dog. Cause you yeah. know, I mean, how do you say no to that face? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think, she, I think she just really wants me to go to bed. Oh, <laughs> a couple more minutes, Marie hang in there. Um, yeah, I, I would love for her to be like the gaming version of that. Like we were talking about, get her sponsored by a bunch of just, just cool peripheral brands. Have a yeah. Rock, you know, have a rock. Here's an idea. This is just something that popped in my head. Maybe I've mentioned this to you before, but um, I don't know if you remember. There's a video that went viral of a six-month-old baby um, playing on a uh, fighting game pad, and the baby. It was, obviously was like the the first chapter or like the demo. I think it was a uh, Street Fighter. It must have been Street Fighter Five, mm-hmm. or it was Easy Mode. But the baby won the match just by hitting buttons. I think so, I'm not sure if it's the same video, but I remember. Oh, so this this is on a similar note. Um, There's another Street Fighter Five video where someone taught their dog how to throw a fireball, like yes. using using the arcade stick and everything. And of course, all my friends were like, "Oh, this you have to you have to teach Maria to do this." Like everybody thought of me right away because yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna tell you to do. Is um, <laughs> if a six month old baby uh, can play Street Fighter, uh, Marie can definitely p- play Street Fighter or any fighting game. So. All you have to do is give her a pad and tell her to hit the buttons and things are going to happen. So I think, yeah, I think she has a shot. She has great reaction time. She's extremely fast. Yes. She's, you know, she's just got a great, great fighting spirit to her. Yeah. She's got a lot of energy. Tons um, of energy. I, yeah. So yeah, I, I would love to see Marie, Marie stream on Twitch. <laughs> All right, yeah, I think, yeah, I, think I might, she'll, she'll be on the next people playing games. 
as a as an up and coming uh, fighting game player. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to play against her someday, and I'll probably lose to her. So. She's, yeah, I think she's she's well on her way. So yeah, Erin, that that about does it for my main questions. Are there any shout outs you want to give? Any projects you're working on right now that you want people to know about? Well, um, I guess the the next thing I want to say is um, hopefully I'll see you at E3. Hopefully, uh, for those of you listening, I'll see some of you at E3. Uh, I will be at the Twitch booth. And, of course, we have TwitchCon coming up October 20th to 22nd in Long yes. Beach. I'm so, very excited um, for that. I'm, I'm not saying this because you're my friend. TwitchCon last year was one of the best events I've ever been to. Yeah, that, that was an amazing event. And um, I, I, loved, I loved it being in San Diego. I went to the very first one in San Francisco and just really nice to see it evolve like that. So I'm really excited to see um, how uh, TwitchCon in Long Beach is, is going to play out, and I'm sure it's going to be even bigger. So um, hope hope to see you there as well. Uh, but, yeah, those those are my shout-outs. Awesome. And uh, for everyone listening at home, uh, definitely follow Aaron oh. on Twitter, at LadyGameLyric, right? Yes. And uh, as always, this has been People Playing Games podcast all about people who make the world of games awesome you could follow us at ppg podcast uh you can follow me at mike andronico our we post our episodes on itunes on soundcloud pretty much anywhere you could find podcasts and uh i don't think there will be a traditional episode next week obviously it, it's e3 week so it's gonna be a lot of a lot of craziness going on uh but i am gonna try to record something there for you guys i can't promise it because as we both know e3 is a extremely busy time so once again, once again, guys, thanks so much for listening. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on. Thank Mar- you for having me here, and thank you for me, Marie, for being patient. <laughs> thank you while Marie, we record for, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marie, for your thoughtful contributions as always. And uh, yeah, guys, keep on playing. <laughs>